Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Again, we're going to recap the big game. Will the real Pittsburgh Penguins please stand up? What do the numbers tell us about this team? We will discuss this with our guest, Jesse Marshall from The Athletic, coming up soon. And would you make a major life decision in the dark? One NFL star is doing just that. Who is it? Why is he doing it? I'm Bob Anderson. I'm Dave Herzing. And I'm Dave Glass. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go... Under Review. On Connect FM, your only local news radio. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to the first episode of Under Review Sports Talk, our weekly show that will discuss the hot topics in Pittsburgh sports and national sports. I'm joined by the Daves, my friend Dave Glass, who I'll simply call Dave, and Dave Herzing, who I'll refer to as D. How are we doing tonight, fellas? Oh, really good, Bob. Glad, glad to be here. I'll tell you what, I've been looking forward to this. I know, Bob, you and I have talked about this for some time, so I'm really excited to get started. All right, great to have you guys. I appreciate you joining us, and thank you for joining us on air tonight. Uh, we come to you in our inaugural show on the heels of what turned out to be a pretty darn exciting Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my predictions for this game were about as accurate as the Groundhog's uh, weather predictions there. I had the Eagles winning. Uh, what about you guys? What were your big takeaways from the game? Well, I mean, my takeaway is that the NFL clearly wants offense over defense. And boy, are we there. I mean, you, you just look at that. The defenses couldn't really stop anybody. Um, those top quarterbacks and offenses are just this side of unstoppable. you know. But with that said, as it's ever been, turnovers are still the great equalizer. And that turnover, that scoop and score l late in the first half was a real game changer. And it seems like whatever happens in the NFL, turnovers are always a big story. And they sure were again on Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, what, defense wins championships. That <laughs> Is that true anymore? Saying, I'm not even sure that's true anymore. <laughs> it might be offense now. Dave Herzing, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you the one thing I never thought I would ever say, but uh, someone could catch Tom Brady and it's going to be Mahomes. Uh, he could do it. I think he's got the talent. He has the coach around him to do it. I predicted Kansas City was going to win this game simply because of Patrick Mahomes. All week before the Super Bowl, we were hearing about how good the Eagles' defense was. They were first in sacks. They did nothing to get after Mahomes in this game, even with a bum ankle. So that was very, very surprising to me. Yeah, I... I think Brady and Mahomes have a lot of parallels here. In fact, it's come to the point for me where I want to root against Mahomes just as I did Brady for all those years. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it's it's I respect his talent, but uh, the grimaces, the hobbling off the field, you know. He was hurt. Well, 
he sure didn't look like it when he scrambled there at the end of the I game. I think they, I, but I think they numbed him up at halftime. That's, I mean, that's my opinion. I guess but he had the adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, he had the adrenaline, no doubt about that. Like uh, what I mentioned, the Eagles' defense. That's the other big takeaway for me was being so disappointed. They pressured every team they played. They didn't do anything to Patrick Mahomes. I, I read a stat which I thought was really interesting. They allowed him to scramble away, which and that's just the type of quarterback he is. He has 24 first downs on scramble runs since 2018. That's more than double any than any other quarterback in the NFL. And his 26-yard run on that third and one took their win probability from 69.1% to 81.2% just on that run. And the other thing that I read about, which I couldn't believe, again, the Eagles led the NFL in sacks. They sacked quarterbacks 32% of the time with design pressures. Mahomes under pressure since 2018 is 15% sack rate. He's first in the NFL. So that right there explains to me simply why Kansas City won the game. Yeah, I, I saw that Mahomes had, what, one inner, or one incompletion in the second half. That's it? Yeah. Uh, you know, their offensive line, they were – awesome and a couple of years ago that was kind of their weak point they made it a point to build up that offensive line so if you're a Steeler fan I think the blueprints there well yeah I mean the, the games are almost always won in the trenches I mean if you don't have a good offensive line it's really really hard to win and clearly as you said they made an investment I do want to talk a little bit more about Philly I mean in the second half it they, as you said, that game was right there for the taking. They're a team that's built on that's built on pressure. They had the lead. They had everything they wanted, and they never got them down. Not once. Not no. one sack in that game. And you know, I, I know a lot of Philly fans who are really disappointed in that because you, you couldn't point. I mean, except for the turnover, you couldn't point the finger at Hurts. I thought he played out of his mind most of that game, and he was under more pressure in many cases than Mahomes. He was doing some crazy scrambling. So. It, it wasn't about the offense. It was really about the defense, and I never thought that would happen. I, I really felt like Philly would be able to get severe pressure on him. It didn't happen. That's why I picked Philly in the first place, but I should have consulted D. Yeah, there you go. I, actually, you know, the one I, I was surprised, I read a, a few more things about the Super Bowl. I like finding these little stats because sometimes the stats lie, but sometimes they don't. Are we going to call you Stat Boy? I mean, <laughs> you could, you seems know, like where we're headed here. No, not, I don't know. Maybe not yet, but maybe down the road. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but the one thing I was surprised at as well, there, there wasn't one 100-yard receiver for the Chiefs. Juju led the team in receptions. Who would have thought that? He had one more reception than Travis Kelsey, which is very surprising, but yet they were able to move the ball down the field, and it's because they established that running game that they didn't have in the first half. I think that's the impressive thing for me with Kansas City. It felt like last year, they, you know, at the end of the season, they made a choice. They made a choice to trade Tyreek Hill and really begin what I thought was their version of a rebuild. Well, it ends up in a Super Bowl championship. Not much of a rebuild, was it? Yeah, yeah. but... I I, let's, I want to talk about two things here, and I'll take them in, in order. You brought up Kelsey. I mean, here's a guy, and I sound like Collinsworth, but everybody knows he's the focal point of that passing attack. There, he's double covered. In the first half, he was double covered on that one play and still ended up open by five yards. It's amazing. It's, I mean, it, it, you underestimate him at your own peril. There, you want to talk about a Hall of Famer. He's, he's already in, in my opinion, because they just can't cover him. And the second thing I want to talk a little bit about is how – a decade ago, everybody was down on Andy Reid. Andy Reid, he can't win the big one. Andy Reid, he's terrible with the you know uh, cl clock management. Yeah, he can coach up quarterbacks, but blah, blah, blah. Now, 
you talk about Brady versus Mahomes. I want to talk about Reed versus Belichick. I mean, I think Reed right now today, there's not a coach in the league I would take over Andy Reed. Unless you ask a Yenzer, and then they'll say Tomlin. For... <laughs> That's a sep- I like Tomlin. I'm a Tomlin guy, but Andy Reid right now I think is the best coach in the league. Yes, I, I actually agree with you, Dave. I really do. He, he's so impressive, and, and, and the way he schemes is unmatched. It is honestly incredible what he's able to do and what he's able to pick apart. Yeah, and look at those two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. Oh, I mean, there was no soul around. That was genius scripting players. there. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you guys happen to um, – one of the players pointed out something that Belichick did, and he related to – Belichick didn't, but one of the players related to Andy Reid about the color of gloves to wear. Um, little things that Belichick did where if the jerseys were white, his players wore white gloves. And if the jerseys were dark, his players wore dark gloves. The Eagles, that holding penalty from Bradbury was so crucial, dark gloves. Little things like that, Andy Reid doesn't let slip. And to your point about great coaches, Belichick didn't either. Uh, and and it, again, having those great quarterbacks, you know, once you get that match with an offensive genius and an offensive wizard like Mahomes, I, I, they're going to win more Super Bowls. I mean, if these the listeners that are on this station right now hate to tell you, if you're Steelers fans, get ready for a long few years because the AFC is so loaded with quarterback talent. It, you know, it's just going to be very difficult for the Steelers to do anything of any real substance for a, for a while. And we have weeks ahead to talk about this, but I forget the AFC. I wonder how they're going to get out of the division. I look at I look at <laughs> Burrow right. the way other teams in the division looked at Ben for 15 years. Couldn't I mean, agree more. Burrow is just crazy good. But that's that's another topic for another day. You're 100% right that with this kind of elite quarterback talent, I mean, the Steelers really have their work cut out for them yes. moving forward. And what do all these good coaches have in common that we've talked about? Bill Belichick had Tom Brady. Andy Reid has Patrick Mahomes. Last year, Sean McVay was the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Stafford looked great last year. So good quarterbacks or good coaches need good quarterbacks, maybe vice versa. And I don't want to take anything away from McVay. They were great last year. That They went all in and it worked out for them, the Rams. But Andy Reid, you look at Belichick's record, it's been pretty good, you know, especially that, that run with Brady. But but you look at Andy Reid in particular. Here's here, He has had a number of different quarterbacks. And I think he's only had three losing seasons. And he has a ton of 11, 12, 13 win years. And he's what, made the AFC Championship game five years in a yes. row now? Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. And, you know, it's not a, a flash in the pan. Look at the Rams. A couple injuries and down the tubes they went this year. I mean, every team has injuries and, and every team has bad years. But, but I, man, I, I'm with you. I think they're really set up for a long time. And to me, the Eagles were the better team on paper. But you put Patrick Mahomes out there, you know, that's the difference maker to me. With, like, look at Brady to Gronk. I remember as a Steelers fan going to those games. Uh-huh. I lived up in Massachusetts for several years and got to, see, you know, you'd see this dominance, you know, right when the Patriots dynasty was just starting out. And this is what it feels like with Mahomes and Kelsey. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out, you mentioned Kelsey being in the Hall of Fame. Right now he's second to Jerry Rice in playoff touchdowns. Jerry Rice, the all-time leader for 22. He surpassed Gronk in this Super Bowl. He's got 16. Gronk has 15. Hard to argue with that. And, and, and I think we need to talk more about Philly. And, you know, they've got a lot of uh, decisions to make. But the one thing I want to say before we, we get out is, you know, what they do have is a young elite quarterback. There were a lot of questions about Jalen Hurts before this year was last year a flash in the pan. He's elite. I mean, I think he, this was his coming out party this year, and I think if nothing else, they're going to have they're going to be very competitive for a long time with Jalen Hurts. I love that kid. 
So we are going to switch gears here in the next segment. We're going to talk some Penguins hockey with a guest from The Athletic, Jesse Marshall. If you follow hockey, you need to listen to this guy. He knows the, he knows the numbers. We'll be back. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA. The only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-631-8191. 800-631-8191. That's 800-631-8191. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Mainly cloudy skies tonight with lows around 43. Westerly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. Cloudy tomorrow, chance for scattered rain showers. High temperatures reach up to 59. Overcast skies tomorrow night, scattered rain showers likely. Lows dip down to about 36. A dusting of snow Friday. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 67. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. It's now my pleasure to bring on Jesse Marshall, Penguins Play. Can you tell us a little bit more about you? Uh, What drove your passion for hockey and how did you end up where you are now, covering the Penguins for a major news outlet? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, you know, it's circumstantial, I think, in the sense that, like, I grew up around other people who really like hockey, you know, so a lot of it as a kid was being introduced to it from friends. Um, yeah, I know when I was young, you know, those cup runs against Minnesota and Chicago were in central time, so I wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch them, so I used to get, uh, you know, little handwritten box scores, you know, for me when I would wake up in the morning and kind of, like, recap everything that happened and stuff. I think, like, you know, just the the memories of, you know, KBL sports and Mike Lang. And, um, yeah, I I picked the wrong major, unfortunately. I I went the route of being an English major and not a journalism major. So um, after college, I started to write about the Penguins on my own. And it kind of spun from there and got a couple opportunities I was lucky enough to get and uh, landed me uh, where I am today. Well, I think it's safe to say you found your niche. Um, so you cover the Penguins from a unique perspective, it appears. You know, you focus on analytics. Uh, a lot of people, I believe, are familiar with the baseball side of analytics and how that shaped the game. But can you tell us a little bit more about how does it influence hockey and, and what are some of the metrics you use to evaluate the game? It's a good question. Um, it, it is a lot different than baseball. We, we've borrowed, we as like ubiquitous community have borrowed things like war, for instance, from baseball and have put them sort of on top of hockey. But I think the value and really what, what has kind of sort of become the commonality in, in data and hockey is really two things. I think it's expected goals. Um, you know, before this, we really looked at scoring chances as a raw number. 
but not every scoring chance is created equal, right? You would say a breakaway from Evgeny Malkin is different, for instance, than a one-on-two situation for Evgeny Malkin, right? right. Um, and, and, you know, really providing context around the weight of shot attempts. Are they good shot attempts? Um, are they, would, we, would we expect that they produce a goal? Uh, how close to a goal are they? You know, goals are the most important thing in hockey, but they're also the least repeatable. And I don't know that a lot of people know that. Um, you know, if you were going to bet on hockey, goals is the worst way to do it. Because uh, <laughs> they come and go, they're whimsical. Uh, you know, goaltending plays such a major factor in the, in the equation. It's whimsical. So expected goals is, is really the most repeatable thing in hockey. And I think that's what coaching staff's front offices start to look at because we all want to know who's going to win. That's the goal of analytics, right? right. Who's going to win? And there's no data set that gives you that information more than expected goals. And I'll just give a quick shout, Bob, to the world of microstat because now we're starting to look at things, zone entries, zone, you know, who's preventing the, or protecting the blue line the best, who's getting the puck across the blue line the best. These are all things that really make a huge difference now, too, and they're focusing on really tiny moments in the game that when you look at them over the course of a season, paint a picture about who's good with the puck and who isn't. Sure, yeah, there's a big difference between a shot from the slot and a shot from the outside along the blue line. Um, What types of things are the numbers telling us about the Penguins' play so far this season? Because they've really been kind of an up-and-down team all season, it seems. Well, so first of all, Bob, it tells us that. Yeah. (laughs) If you look at the data... Um, it's all over the place, right? I mean, and we've seen it when they're on. There's nights where, you know, hey, they could score six, seven goals, right? And the offensive metrics there, you know, have a tendency to be pretty favorable. And then I think there's nights where, you know, maybe the opposite is true uh, and they get piled on. So I think, I think what I would say is they're a team that really does lean into and rely on their offense at the end of the day. Uh, they're going to go as far as, as their shot production and scoring chances are going to take them. Most of that is coming from the top six, which is a major issue uh, that I'm sure we'll get into. But I, you know, at the end of the day, that's what the data says. They're unreliable defensively. They're kind of unreliable from a goaltending perspective. But, hey, they pretty much bring it offensively, consistently, just unfortunately from a smaller group. Yeah, so, you know, they seem to be a completely different team when Tristan Jari's healthy, when he's in the lineup. I think the record shows that. Are, are they a contender at this point, do you believe, with Tristan Jari in the lineup, or do they really need to make some moves here as the trade deadline nears? If you're talking to Bob from the perspective of contender for an ultimate prize, no, they're not. Um, and, and I don't think even that's with or without Tristan Jari. Uh, if you look at the teams that are their, uh, their sort of peers with regards to being a contender, Carolina, right? Um, I'll just throw it Boston, right? These are yeah. teams that are rolling four lines, right? They'll put anybody out on the ice against you confidently. They don't have a concern about it. And the Penguins really aren't in that situation right now, right? You can't play two lines against a four-line team. Uh, the bad news, <laughs> more bad news, <laughs> this salary cap's got a lot of people frozen. Um, asking prices right now are high. Inflation hit hockey. I don't know that Ron Hextall has a pass uh, to doing uh, you know the big grand slam swing moves. He may have to pull off a series of. I mean, we're talking about really if you want to tinker that out hole and bottom six to get better. 
that's going to take some work. You're probably looking at two, three moves to do that, not just one. I don't know that this is the environment where you can kind of pull that thing off. Yeah, it just seems like they're a third line short here. Uh, even the fourth line at least can contribute a little bit from time to time. But do you believe that that is their major deficiency, or do they need to try to bring in a, a better maybe defenseman or a backup goalie with you know Jari's health concerns? Well, look, I think if I think well, yes, the goalie, yes. I mean, I'm I'm shocked. Let's let's do some, and this is revisionist history, Bob. But you got to remember last year at the trade deadline, moving into the trade deadline, what was the number one thing we said the Penguins needed? Backup goaltending. They're in the same boat with the same guy, and I don't, I don't want to discount the fact that he stood on his head last night, um, and is coming off his best performance of the year, bar none, no question. Uh, I don't want to discount that, but the consistency has not been there, right? And I think that there's a, a pedigree quality question to be had, right? I mean, at the end of the day, is this the quality pedigree goaltender that you think you could make a run with? No, I don't think it is. Tristan Jari might be. We don't know that. I don't think we kind of got robbed from seeing that in the playoffs last year. Um, but look, I'd love, you know, Hey, if you can maybe improve your defense by, you know, shifting, you know, I know Brian Dumoulin's been a hot topic this year, Bobby's not been great. Um, he's won two cups. There's name recognition there. Maybe that's a name you can move. But I think at the end of the day, you're right on. I mean, you're spot on when you talk about the third line. Um, you, you could make an argument, a really good one. And I would listen to it about the Jeff Carter contract being the worst contract in the national hockey league right now. It is, we're, we're kind of like at that level with it and it's gotten we're not done it's got more years <laughs> like it's still rolling you talk about the full no movement clause you look at a guy like eric Stahl, right who's in that same age range um you know he's he's making so much less money um it's just you know it's, it's unbelievable to consider so i think that's just a core tenant of it you know yeah, and even this offseason, a lot of people question, what, what is Ron Hextall thinking with some of these signings? You know, Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen. Are there any metrics out there that justified those signings? No. No, and you know, too, too Bob, to that point, you know, especially the Kapanen one. I think that was the one that you look at and you say, boy, that's, that's an egregious deal. Um, you know, that, that, there wasn't really anything to justify. He was coming off of career lows in pretty much every category, um, and I think metrically, you know, we talk about some of those finer things, Bob, about like zone entries and zone exits and stuff like that. Um, uh, that was where Kapanen was really, really killing the Penguins, uh, was, was in regard to that stuff. You know, he was not carrying the puck across the line with possession on a regular basis. Uh, you know, he's turning it over. He wasn't producing anything. You know, it was a lot of come in the zone, whoa up, shoot from distance, and then you're done. Uh, one and done shifts, if you will. So there wasn't a lot of <laughs> wasn't a lot of anything really, to be frank, to suggest these kind of moves as being positive or net gains for the team. Um, you know, there's a lot of familiarity, certainly, right? But familiarity doesn't mean you know you, you, just because you're familiar with a guy doesn't mean he's the right guy. So right. you know, I understand the Penguins put themselves in a situation bringing the band back together. But to me, that's not the critical mistake, Bob. It's the cursory decisions that got made. For instance, why was Jeff Carter signed before all those guys? Right? Like That, to me, is the one decision that's unconscionable, is the peripheral pieces around that top six. That's where you get into making the wrong decisions and kind of ending up in the boat that you're in right now. Jesse Marshall is our guest right now from The Athletic. 
Jesse, a couple of teams around the Penguins in the standings have been aggressive. They've upgraded their rosters. The Islanders picked up Bo Horvat. The, the Rangers went after Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, the Penguins, I feel like they made the decision to go for it when they re-signed Latang and, and Malkin in the offseason. Do you think that Ron Hextall is going to make a deal here as the uh, March 3rd deadline approaches? Uh, well, I would hope so. You know, I, I and, and I consider what I call, Bob, the trickle-down effect, right? Trickle-down economics of hockey, if you will. If you go out and, you, you know, you've re-signed this band for one purpose, right? Winning. <laughs> so if you, you got to really take a hard look at the assets you have. And I'm going to throw Timo Meyer's name out there because, you know, the devils are real hot on Timo Meyer. He seems to be the guy that everybody thinks is a logical fit uh, for New Jersey. But if you're Ron Hexel, can you allow that to take place? Right. And Timo Meyer is a player that is so good. In my opinion, he could bump Gensel off that top line. Seriously. He's that good. He's better. I mean, his forward metrics are better than 99% of the forwards in the National Hockey League, right? Uh, then you get Jake Gensel on your second line, right? That moves one of Zucker or Russ down to the third line. That's what I mean by tri- you've made your bottom six better by virtue of trading for someone in the top six that moves a guy down, right? That's sometimes the only way to do it. And, and, you know, I just think from Ron Hextall's perspective, you know, we've heard this discussion from him now with multiple media outlets and this sort of reticence to trade his first-round pick. Why? What are you holding on to it for at this point? You know, you've, you've made this deal. Uh, you know, everything should be on the table right now. And I, and I said on Twitter, I like Owen Pickering, the kid that they drafted in the, their top pick last year. I do think he's going to be a top-pairing defenseman in the league, potentially. I've said I, by preference would be not to trade him, but if Timo Meyer's on the table, I'd be, I, you'd call me crazy to not say let's do it. Owen Pickering is not going to see the ice for you know four or five years, so you hope so, Bob. That's the end of the day. The end of the, I think everyone in Penguins fandom, uh, all across the world, hopes that that's what happens, uh, because otherwise, it kind of makes the rest of the decisions that you made in the summer seem a little bit silly. Yeah, and it just feels like this team needs some kind of jolt. And boy, Timo Meyer would look great in the Penguins uh, in a Penguins jersey. The only problem then, again, is your third-line center is still Jeff Carter. Correct, yeah. And and that's where I was getting to earlier, Bob, where I said this has to be a domino thing, right? If you're making player-in, player-out trades, which is probably what you're going to have to do, you need multiple pieces to fall here. You can't just do one thing. And and the question becomes, you know, remember, this Carter situation we're talking about is an NMC. It's a no-movement clause. You can't even send him down, right? You can't even reassign him. No one's taking that. <laughs> you know, you, unless you're willing. I, I would, I, here's what I would say, Bob. To take on that deal, even if you're sending it to Arizona, you've got to find it. You've got to have, you, first, you've got to get him to agree to it. But you've got to, you've got to throw a first-rounder in there. Nobody's taking on that contract without a sweetener. So you've painted yourself into a corner you know, Ron Hextall going to Ron, to Jeff Carter first among everybody else just because he was on a two-month heater has locked the Penguins into Jeff Carter until he is done playing hockey, basically. That's, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your hope is maybe you get him bumped down to fourth line center, right? Maybe you minimize his impact. But, I, I, you know, I don't see a way that they, they're getting him off the roster anytime around this deadline. 
All right, Jesse. Well, we really appreciate it. I have one more for you here. The Penguins have made the playoffs for 16 consecutive seasons. I think that's been well documented. Uh, at this point in mid-February, as we stand now, will they make it 17 years in a row? What's your metrics telling you or what's your gut telling you? Let's go that route. I do think they're going to get in. Um, I think it'll be in the final spot. I think they'll probably get destroyed in the first mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and walked off uh, again. Uh, but I do think that they'll sneak in. couple things. Um, some of their peers have problems that are very similar to theirs. Um, uh, you know, I think Tristan Jari is, is going to come back and get a little healthy stretch of play in, which will be a difference maker for them. Um, I don't know that they're going to do. I, I think the one scenario I would paint for you, Bob, is if they go out and make a really bad move at the deadline, a bad splash move, that could be enough to tilt the scales against them. You know, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot. That's the key here, right? You want to go out and make a play. You want to go out and make a couple plays. Great. You have to make sure that they're the right ones. There's no other solutions here, right? This is your last chance to get it right. And if it's if it's a bunch of assets for James Van Riemsdyk, hey, we really appreciate it, Jesse. We'll be in touch again, and I uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ness and Associates, insurance and investments. Do you have health insurance questions? At Ness and Associates Insurance, we are a penny certified broker and we can help you through the process of buying individual health care. If you're looking to retire, we can help with health insurance or Medicare options. If you're already retired but need to start your Medicare, call us to help you navigate the options available to you. Stop by their Dubois office today or call Ness and Associates Insurance at 371-6756. Our family protecting yours since 1930. Attention knee pain sufferers. Amazing new treatment could save you from dangerous drugs or risky surgery. The best of Tri-County gold medal recipient, New MedX, is an innovative medical facility that offers a seven-step non-surgical and drug-free approach to knee pain relief, whether you suffer from arthritis, a torn meniscus, or any other cause. To discover if you are a candidate for this remarkable seven-step knee restoration program, call 814-618-5295. That's 814-618-5295. Fact. Small businesses generate $68 of local economic return for every $100 spent with them. Fact. Small businesses donate 250% more than large businesses to community causes. Fact. 65% of American shopping budgets are still spent in store and 61% shop at local businesses because of their unique products. Plus, small businesses employ almost 60 million people and 56% of workers at locally owned businesses have high commitment scores. What do all those numbers mean? That shopping small and shopping local benefits you and our community. And that's the fact. So shop local businesses today like Esther's Hair Haven, a full service salon and more. The Winery at Wilcox, across from Wendy's. And Merle Norman Boutique, located Brady Street, Dubois. Shop local first, all across the area. Shop here Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. And we're back on Under Review Talk Radio here. I'm Bob Anderson. We got Dave and Dave with me here. Hey, guys, the Penguins were winners last night. 
uh, picked up a much-needed win, 3-1 to one in San Jose. I think most of us kind of expected that after the trouncing they took in L.A. Uh, on Saturday night. And they got a little help in the standings. I, I saw Ottawa beat the Islanders, and uh, the Capitals lost, I believe, 3-2 to two in regulation. So that helps. But Jesse talked about the inconsistencies, guys. Is there hope for this team? Depends on what you mean by hope. I mean, I, I agree with Jesse. If, if there's hope to make the playoffs, hell yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still enough talent there. But hope long term, this team's going to be the Blackhawks in a couple of years if it's not even next year. I, I just – I have some real issues with the way Hextall has built this roster. I don't understand it. He hit a lot of it. I don't want to go back over that. But the biggest thing to me, not only did he sign Carter, but he gave him a full no trade call. I didn't even realize that till last week when I was starting to look at trade possibilities. It's like, well, impossible. He, he can't move him unless he wants to go. He called it the worst hockey in the NHL or the worst contract in the NHL. It's got a good case for it. I mean, it's immovable. And, you know, you look across the state at what he left in Philly. I mean, they're, they're a mess. And, and you start to wonder... What's going on here? I mean, I'm not convinced he's the answer. I I think Rutherford made too many trades, and it seems like Hextall doesn't make enough. There's got to be a happy medium, especially in this situation, frankly. I never thought I'd say this, but this is the situation right here, right now, where you want a Rutherford who's really going to shake things up because, as we've talked about a little bit, you've got nothing to lose. The, the darkness is coming. They're, they're going to be bad in a couple years. Whether, whether that bad lasts for one year, two years, or three years, we probably don't care as much. But I do want to bring up one other thing, and that's the Fenway group who bought them, who may be driving a lot of this. You know, they may be trying to force Hextall to do two things at once and say, look, yes, we want a winner right now. Resign Malkin, resign all these guys. Let's bring the band back together and fill the seats. But you can't be terrible for more than a year or two. You know, when the darkness comes, you got to hold on to these picks. And, and so that's a great point. You can't be, you know, all in in one measure and then rebuilding in the other yeah they're like half in yeah i would say you're either committed to the to the season now or you're committed to the future and with crosby and malkin and, and latang you're you're all in yeah absolutely yeah the one thing you know i you know, watching the penguins as a kid growing up with lemieux and with yager and kevin stevens and all all those guys watching the penguins in the dark years when they had you know alexi kovalevs and martin Strakas of the world and then when you're watching them when they got crosby they got malkin flurry they had they felt and not to be corny but you they felt like like a magical team. Like you knew they were going to pull like a rabbit out of the hat. They felt like they were able to do something other than what they were capable of. Yeah, you know, they 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 really didn't have any business there against Detroit in that first Stanley Cup final. Detroit dumped them. They came back. They won. Um, you know, this team now they don't have it. There's no heart on the team. They don't run four lines, as, as Jesse Marshall said. Uh, so the other night when they got thumped. By Los Angeles, right? And Crosby gets cross-checked. And nobody responds. There's no response. And I am, we've all talked about this off air. I'm not for goonery and hockey. I don't, I, I think they could remove that, which they've done a decent job of. But you need to step up you for the captain. You got to stick up for your captain, yep. And they and were no down 5 did. Nothing. They were down 5 nothing. The game was over. Uh, it just, come on. So that, this team just doesn't seem to me as if they have anything that, is going to show anyone that they're going to make any legitimate cup run. They'll, they're going to get into the playoffs. That's what my gut tells me. But to Jesse's point, I really think they'll be a one and done. If you want a, a little bit of optimism, because we don't want to be the naysayers and the pessimists here, but Tristan Jari is a difference maker. With him in the lineup, they're 16, 6, and 5. 
Uh, he is close to returning. Do you think he's theoretically be the guy that writes the ship here for them? Well, he'll help. I mean, he is he is a great goalie, but at some point, I believe that health is a skill in in all sports. I mean, why is Gretzky the greatest player, not Lemieux? It's health. That's the only reason. Okay, but it matters. He if you're being available matters, and. Tristan Jari at this point, you know, last year you can say it was a fluke. He's had some other things. This year it's one thing after the next, after the next. You know, I, I have somebody who's a season ticket holder who has talked to some people inside the team, and now they're talking about maybe a back injury. Well, that's that's not good. I mean, I don't know if that's what's going on, but I heard it was a groin at the uh, Winter Classic. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, at some point, can you really count on him? And that's going to be a question for Hextall. Do you really? Yes, he's a good goalie. He's talented. But do you do you give him the big contract? He's a free agent after this year, guys. I mean, that's a huge, huge decision that's coming up sooner rather than later. Now, it maybe it's worked out because he's, his value has probably gone down in one sense. On another sense, he's kind of proved how valuable he is because every time he's out, it causes problems. So I, I don't know in that regard. But um, I would like to get back a little bit to what you you guys were saying about the pushback. And I'm... I'm less interested in, in the scrums and, you know, I'm a big one for the referees should officiate the game and the players shouldn't be involved. And I think it's an indictment in the NHL that we have to worry about the players doing this. You don't talk about this in the NFL ever, do you? I mean, somebody gets, you know, an illegal hit, a real bad one, they get thrown out of the game. We don't end up with a big fight. And if you do, everybody gets suspended. But what I don't like about that game, and I watched almost all of it, was the complete lack of urgency the first period was pretty good. They were down 2 nothing, but they could have been leading. And then they just quit. They just absolutely quit playing. And you're in a position, you're the eighth seed, you, you know, you, you got a nice win the night before, and it seemed like they were just content to get out of there one and one. And it's like, you can't be content. And there's too many times this team's content. Uh, do you guys think that the third line is the issue on the team? Is that like if Ron Hextall is going to go out and make a move, is that where he needs to make his move? It's one of the issues. I mean, this team has a lot of issues. Brian Dumoulin's an issue. The defensive depth's an issue. The fact that their fourth-line center, who is a good defensive player, has scored, what, one goal all year? I mean, that's an issue. Um, the third line is a major issue. And I would uh, respectfully – look, Timo is a great player. He would fit in wonderfully. But he's got – I was just looking it up. He has a cap hit of $6 million. So whatever – if you get him, not only are you giving up all these draft picks and prospects, you're going to be moving players – San Jose is not going to take Jeff Carter, so you know maybe you can foist Kapanen on them, but you're probably giving up a P.O. Joseph or a Smith or maybe both or something like that. And is that really going to leave you better off? I, I'm going to go a different direction, and not just because I think he's your clone. I would go for Jonathan Taves. I mean, okay. you want to fix the third line? Here's a you know you run the band back. You've said age isn't is just a number. You don't care about that clearly. Well, here's a guy with pedigree who's, by the way, having a really nice bounce-back season for the Blackhawks, has said he wants to go to a contender, probably available cheap because he has a no-trade clause and can kind of pick where he goes. Maybe he wants to get a year with Crosby? Maybe? I mean... I would look to his teammate. I like Max Domi. Mm -hmm. I've always liked Max Domi. I think he's a little gritty. He can help the third line out. He can win face-offs. He can kill penalties. Uh, Max Domi's my guy, D, what do you think about the Pens here? Well, I, I, just looking at their schedule, I, I just read this the other day. They it, After that win last night, obviously, against San Jose, and again, they should win those games. They they have nine games in 16 days, and out of those nine games, six teams are playoff teams. 
So it's going to tell us a whole lot. Like Friday, they play the Islanders. Yeah, they play them Monday next yeah, week. Yeah, yes, they need to win those games. They they play the Islanders three more times. They play the Rangers three more times. They're 15 points back from Carolina. They're not getting anywhere near the top of the Metro. That's we all know that. But could they theoretically get out of that wild card spot? They could. If they got to a spot that got them out of the wild card spot, they, that would save them a beat down from a Boston or a Carolina. And and then you never know. You, you look at how fragile Jari has been. Right. He reminds me of. Anthony Davis in the NBA. Anthony Davis has otherworldly potential. He's hurt all the time. The best ability is availability. Jari being hurt, I wouldn't give him a contract unless it was you know a lot less than what other goaltenders are making. There's just no way. He's just not there. And DeSmith has been bad, but he's he hasn't had a great defense in front of him. And, and you know they're looking at a matchup with Boston. They're looking at a matchup with Carolina. I don't know that they can skate with those teams Mm -hmm. as is, but the NHL is a a weird game. You know, the hockey is a weird game. You can get hot at the right time and and make some noise. Short series, anything can happen, but I'll say this. I mean, Boston is just a bad matchup. I mean, I think they're a bad matchup for just about anybody, but they seem to always give us fits. I would actually take our chances against Carolina if we get if we can get into that slot because Carolina can skate like the wind, but I've watched them. They can't score. I mean, they're winning every game 2-1, 3-2, and that's this kind of narrow margin for error. We've seen that Crosby line get hot. We saw it against New York last year. If they got any goaltending at all in that series, they easily win that. And can can score three or four goals against Carolina, see if they can get to four or five. I would love to see that series. All right, guys, that was great Penn's talk. Now we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a, a segment called Upon Further Review. We will explain when we come back. I'm Dan Kennard with Connect FM Local News. Here's what's happening. The Harborview Well Station project for Treasure Lake's new drinking water system has been completed. Officials for Aqua, Pennsylvania, say the new station will not only ensure clean, filtered drinking water for the 4,400 residents of Treasure Lake, but will also be a source of water for fire protection through 50 hydrants in the gated community. And state police in Jefferson County are looking into another alleged phone scam incident, which cost a Brookville man more than $1,000. The 65-year-old victim was reportedly talked into buying an unknown suspect $1,200 worth of gift cards over the phone. The alleged scammer's call was received by the victim last Thursday afternoon, and the investigation is ongoing. For more local news, visit connectradio.fm. I'm Dan Kennard, Connect FM Local News. In olden times, the paper boy would deliver the newspaper every morning. Now, if you still get one, the newspaper might come in the mail. Yesterday's news today, or tomorrow, the way the mail has been lately. Tri-County Insider brings you local news from Jefferson, Clearfield, and Elk Counties every weekday at noon, like clockwork. Local news from local people. You can subscribe at tricountyinsider.com. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Mainly cloudy skies tonight with lows around 43. Westerly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. Cloudy tomorrow, chance for scattered rain showers. High temperatures reach up to 59. Overcast skies tomorrow night, scattered rain showers likely. Lows dip down to about 36. A dusting of snow Friday. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 67. 
Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. It's the trifecta back for our segment that we're going to call Upon Further Review. Kind of goes with our theme here, fellas. Uh, So for this segment, we're going to kind of surprise each other. Uh, We've talked about our topics up to this point, but in this segment, which we plan to do, uh, I am going to uh, share a story or something that caught my eye in the world of sports. They'll react to it. Same with them. We'll all react to a different story. So I'll start with one that I saw in the Wall Street Journal. You don't think of that with sports, but Aaron Rodgers is going in the dark. I don't know if you guys saw this story or not. He's going to make a big decision about his future. Is he going to come back? Is, is he going to play for another team? He's one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. So I thought I'd share this, what happens in a darkness retreat. Uh, so he's going to spend three or four days probably sitting in isolation. He's going to meditate. He's going to deal with his thoughts. So basically what dark, happens. In, completely in the dark. In the dark. People spend time in a space that's completely devoid of light, the article says. This is a practice that stems from ancient cultures. Monks used to do it for spiritual guidance. Wow. So the first instinct is fear, of course. And I guess what happens is they, they light a candle in the room, and once, the, once they're ready, they blow out the candle, and they have to feel their way around, and, and that's it. There's no cell phones, nothing. They, they get fed. They you know, have the basic necessities there. But you're in darkness for the rest of that time. So with that being said, I got a couple questions for you guys on this. First off, how long do you think you could make it? Could you make it more than one day in darkness? Yeah, I think I could. Uh, I have two little kids. Um, I've gone without sleep a lot. Uh, My my wife and I are very busy. So I think what I would end up doing is probably sleeping half the time. I think you could make 12 hours just sleeping. You get up. Now, you'd, you'd be in the twilight zone. You wouldn't know where you were. But if there was a plate of food there and you could just kind of hang out, I, I think I could make it. Yeah, that's what the article says. A lot of people just go you know, go to sleep for long stretches. Some people do like 20 hours of sleep. I mean, that would feel good for a day or two, but I think I would be ready to get out. You know, solitary confinement does not do good things for people. Well, and that's where I was going to go kind of, you know, my day job. I know that solitary confinement and lack of interaction and lack of sensory stimulation, they actually use that in some places as a torture. So, you know, we're getting pretty far off sports with that comment, but (laughs) I I just think that's a little bit bizarre. But hey, good for him. He can do what he wants. But it's a little bizarre. Yeah, I, I won't argue the point. I mean, I think the bigger question here is... Does Green Bay even want him back? Because well, that, if I were Green yeah. Bay, I'd say, uh, hey, here's your hat. What's your hurry? You know, we, we've got another quarterback in the wings. By the way, and Aaron Rodgers ought to realize that because he was in the exact same situation as that young quarterback some years ago. Well, he has one year left on his deal. Um, it's $50 million deal. So to me, it sounds like he's coming back. I don't think he's going to go back to Green Bay. I think he's going to get traded. Where does he end up, though? Uh, I've heard the Jets. I've heard the Raiders. Raiders are an obvious with, point. <laughs> with his receiver there. Um, you know, where, what What do you think happens to Aaron Rodgers? I think the Raiders, just to, to Dave's point, I think it's a logical fit. Um, he's a guy that loves attention. or I mean, New York as well, but he's going to get more attention, I think, in Vegas because he's got his receiver. The Jets are positioned to be a decent team for a long time. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is – 
suffered the type of media scrutiny he's going to get if he goes to New York. I think they'll welcome him in Vegas. I don't know if they'll welcome him as kindly in New York because if he screws up, yeah, they boo the Yankees. So they'll definitely boo Aaron Rodgers. Well, to me, it's it's simpler than that. I, you know, I think New York's in a position where they're actually trying to be a good team. And as near as I can tell, the Raiders are just interested in being a story. So if you're interested in being a story, Aaron Rodgers is, is great. But I, you know, that franchise has kind of been a joke for a long time. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a pretty good landing spot for him. Just imagine, though, the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. Ugh. I think they're a quarterback away. Do you remember the rumors that he was coming to Pittsburgh? Remember all the yes. Tomlin nodding and all right. the different things? Yeah, that, that, I think that would have been a disaster. I think the uh, Steelers did the right thing. All right, we'll go to Dave Glass here for his story. Well, um, I guess my thought is, you know, I'm, I'm reading a lot – about what's going on with, you know, first you had the, you know, the portal, the transfer portal, which by the way, I'm for, because it always bothers me in college sports that, you know, we, we froze these, these athletes to their teams, but the coaches could just come and go and break contracts at will. So I I always thought that was unfair, but now you've got these, these, uh, these other deals that the the other players can get money with these, uh, you know, the digital marketing and stuff. And, you know, I understand. I don't have a problem with it as as a concept, but it's so out of control now, and and the recruiting I'm seeing is is so crazy. And players, some of them are playing for three and four and five teams, in in five years. And I guess my big question is: is, is the NCAA doomed? I mean, did, did are they going to be able to survive this and still be able to say, well, we're a student athlete body, or or is it really going to eventually become that college sports are essentially just a a professional minor league? Seems to me like it's going to become like the major league baseball system, you know, where the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the top teams continue to be the top teams because they have the resources to pull these kids who are, you know, they're, they were in different schools. Now they're at these best schools. Yeah, I agree. The kids are, are essentially, and they have been for some time, but it's never been clear that they are viewed as commodities for these schools. Um, you got a program like Alabama that is, just completely dominated the college football landscape for so long since Saban's been there. And they're worried about schools like Texas A&M and Texas because they have so much money to be able to put into their programs. I think there's going to be a seismic shift in the balance of power in college football. I still think it's going to be SEC dominated, but I don't think you're going to see the type of dynasty that you've seen with Alabama ever again because Schools like USC are going to be relevant again. Ohio State will be even more relevant because of their donor base. Penn State, this actually favors a place like Penn State because of their alumni dollars. Something, the trickle-down effect from Penn State football, just something as simple as Penn State basketball. They were able to hire an elite coach because of James Franklin. They were allowed to get more endowment because of James Franklin. And all that stems from all of that money that they're able to get through all of these dollars. I agree with that from Penn State's point of view, and I think it is trickling down to some of their other programs, but I see a lot of other colleges where you're going to see the minor sports really shrivel up and potentially get taken out because that money isn't going to be as widely distributed as it has been under the old system. It's going to go more and more to, as, as uh, Dee said, certain schools, big schools, big programs, and the lucky ones will be able to keep their, you know, the other things going. But I, I see it, especially perhaps a lot of, of women's sports that don't generate the, the revenue. That's just the fact of life. They're going to have a hard time. I think a lot of them and some of the minor men's sports, too, because you're going to, you know, 
you're just going to have problems funding them. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. It, it's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. I, you know, things like this were always happening where these athletes were being paid. You know, there were stories of, you know, money being left in mailboxes and collecting money in behind churches. And you, you watch these 30 for 30 specials in ESPN and these star athletes in the 80s, the SMU scandal, you know, athletes getting cars. It's just right on Front Street now. Well, D, you are, uh, we want to save enough time in this segment for your story. What do you got for us? Well, um, I know in, around this area, uh, there's a group of my friends who really love the NBA. Uh, basketball has never been a, a, a huge sport in this area because, frankly, Pittsburgh doesn't have a team. You don't really see a lot of 76ers apparel. And lately, because the Cavs have gotten good again since LeBron had left, you see some more Cavs apparel around. But where I'm going with this is um, LeBron's scoring record it kind of was one of those moments like the home run record um, you know, where something that was thought as unbreakable was broken. You know, we were talking briefly about Tristan Jari with the availability and athletes being able to take care of their bodies. LeBron James is a testament to that. He spends inordinate amounts of money taking care of himself. In year 20, I just read a stat the other day where if you would have taken his last seven years, seven years of his career, He's better than 65% of the players in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Just his last seven years based on those stats. That's extraordinary. And what I love to talk about with people who are just casual basketball fans, and I'll throw this out to you guys, is who do you think, just based on the scoring record and everything else, who do you think is the best of all time? Do you think it is LeBron? I will say it's LeBron or Michael Jordan. Because that's they're 1A and 1B, but LeBron is 1A to me. Well, you said casual, and there's probably no more casual fan than I am of, of the NBA. I haven't watched it for a long time, to be honest with you. But I heard this debate here not too long ago on another sports talk show. Jordan, to me, might have been you know as clutch as anybody. He was a great outside shooter, but LeBron can take it to the hole. He's got the beef. I just think he's got the better all-around game if you look at just the two and their skill sets. See, I knew I liked you, Bob. I knew I <laughs> well, to me, it's... It, First of all, I'm always, if it's close, I'm always going to go with the, the more modern player because the game, the athletes are always getting bigger, stronger, faster. That's true in every sport. I don't care what it is. So if you're just talking in those terms, LeBron's the answer. Just like, you know, if you put Babe Ruth in today's game, he'd strike out yes. 300 times. I mean, that's just the way it is. But, but if we're going to take context here, it's really close, I think. I would probably take LeBron. But if you're measuring the best player by how much they're more dominant than their peers, I'm going to have to throw something in for Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, I know he didn't have the best team around him, and I know that that's a big piece, and, and, and winning championships matters. It matters how we judge all players. But I've gone back and looked at video, and nobody could stop that. He was unstoppable. He was, he was absolutely unstoppable. unstoppable. So it's a different argument. We're not here to talk about that. But if I would put LeBron over MJ. But it's close. All right. That, well, that, that's good to hear. At least I know I'm not crazy, right? <laughs> well, we might not be crazy, but we hope you're crazy enough to stay with us for our last segment here. We'll be right back on Under Review. Shop local, buy local, shipping deals. Hi, I'm 
Jenny, the manager over at your Big Deals online store. Did you know that when you shop locally, 83 cents of that dollar stays in town? Local businesses are the lifeblood of our community, and that's why you should shop your Big Deals online store. Dozens of gift certificates to local businesses, all in one convenient place. Shop local from the convenience of your home or smartphone. Visit DuboisBigDeals.com. Hi, I'm Dave Caius, host of Barbecue Radio Nation, along with my co-host, barbecue expert Dan Hathaway. Every week we will be giving you the best tips on how you can grill and smoke your favorite meats, vegetables, and even desserts. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned expert, our show is designed to help you become a better backyard barbecuer. So be sure and tune in every Saturday morning right here on Connect FM 99.7 and 96.7 and online at connectradio.fm. Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on Connect FM. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. And we're back for our final segment. We want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our first episode, but we want to emphasize that this is a weekly show. It's not just a one-and-done type thing. We're going to be on every week from 6 until 7. We'll also have an audio recording of this, so if you, you have people that you want to share it with, we'd be glad to uh, to share it out among the community. Yeah, and w- in the future, we're hoping to have some some ways for fans, uh, you know, listeners to interact. Um, we're not going to do live call-ins, but we will probably have questions that we'll address on air. And as we keep get this thing rolling, we're going to talk more about how that's going to work. And also, you know, we're going to value your feedback as well as listeners. If you have some suggestions to improve the show, uh, if you have some suggestions for show topics, we'd love to hear them. Again, I wanted to thank Lou for running the board. We really appreciate your hard work tonight. Gentlemen, I appreciate the time. I think think this is going to work really well together, and I've enjoyed my hour here. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. So next week, I do know that we're going to talk some NFL draft. We got the combine coming up here. Uh, Alex Kazora of the Steelers Depot is going to be our guest. So he's a very knowledgeable person. We'll be back on NFL, NFL rules, right? Yeah, we got it. We got it. We still have to do the rules debate. I know some people were probably wondering, why didn't they talk about the hold? Don't worry. <laughs> we'll talk about the hold and a lot of other things that have to do with sports officiating in the weeks to come. What are we looking forward to? We're almost done here, guys, in the week ahead. Anything you're looking forward to in the world of sports? Oh, it's well, pitchers and catchers reported. We'll talk about baseball. <laughs> You know what? I'm looking forward to baseball. I'm not looking forward to the Pirates this season. That's for sure, because I think they're going to be pretty bad, and we'll talk about that too. I love the weather. Hopefully it continues. we got a couple big NHL games coming up. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.